0: What does it mean to be a Christian? What is a Christian? We're coming up on the Feast of Christmas in a few weeks. And almost 20 years ago, Pope Benedict XVI wrote a letter on Christmas to the church called God is Love. And in the very beginning, he talked about what it means to be a Christian. He wrote, Being Christian is not the result of an ethical choice or a lofty idea, but the encounter with an event, a person, which gives life a new horizon and a decisive direction. St. John's Gospel describes that event in these words, God so loved the world that he gave his only Son that whoever believes in him should have eternal life. To be a Christian is, first of all, the encounter with a person. It's to encounter Jesus of Nazareth, who was risen from the dead and who is now accessible to any and all, by simply calling on his name in faith. That's the first part. It's an encounter with a person, the impact of a person's life and presence that changes my entire outlook. And that encounter gives rise to the second thing, which is that being a Christian, the encounter with Jesus gives life a new horizon, And a decisive direction. A decisive direction, like it's somewhere to go. In following Jesus, we follow him who is the way. Anything we have in life we begin to follow, that we follow after, whether it's a person or a career or an interest, especially things that are lifelong, we ask ourselves which way does this lead? Where will this path bring me? If I keep on following it to the end, what's the destination? What will happen to me once I get there? And even more so, who will I myself become once I get to the end of this path? Being a Christian is the encounter with the living Jesus risen and a whole new direction to go in, a whole new destiny. Tonight we're celebrating a woman named Mary of Nazareth. She was a woman who had a powerful encounter with Jesus Christ, which gave her life an entirely decisive direction to go in, And the church tonight gives us a beautiful answer to this question of what does it mean to be Christian? What does it mean to be Christian? It gives us an answer through chapter 1 of Paul's letter to the Ephesians. He writes, We were chosen so that we might exist for the praise of his glory. What's it mean to be a Christian? It's this. We were chosen so that we might exist for the praise of his glory. To be Christian means that my entire existence is to praise the Most Holy Trinity, to be the praise of the Holy Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. To be Christian is to have perfect union with God and his everlasting life of love. And this is a deep mystery because this is not just about something I do, something I'm interested in, one part of my life among many, kind of like putting on different t-shirts day by day. I put this t-shirt on today, this t-shirt on the next day, I wear this jersey for my sports team. What Paul is saying is that my entire existence, your entire existence, your being, your identity, your purpose, what your life means, It's about becoming the praise of God. Becoming a being of worship. Someone like Richard Dawkins, who was one of the the new atheists, would say that, well, this is exactly what my life should not be like. He would ask his teachers when he was growing up, what's heaven like? And the teachers would say to him, oh, heaven, it's, it's praise. You get to praise God forever. You get to worship God forever. You always get to praise. And Richard Dawkins says, well, to me that seems like hell. Because there's a leader in a country in Eastern Asia who people praise and worship all day long. There's a song that the people there sing, and it goes like this. Millions of flowers on the earth tell us of his love. Blue waves of the ocean sing of his work. He's the creator of happiness. Long live, long live General King Jong-il. He says in North Korea, there's the praise of the glory of the leader. But North Korea is one of the most repressed and enslaved nations on the earth. This tyrant who's supposedly great, all these people bowing down to worship him, it's really just slavery, impoverishment, misery. It's just controlling their lives. And to live for the praise of a God who has eternal judgment and great power, this is really just becoming slaves. It's really just ignoring your human potential. Why would you want your life to be for the praise of that ruler's glory? And to be honest, he has a point. (laughs) And the point is that we should not worship idols, that no creature, no human being on earth is ever worthy of all of our worship and praise and adulation. But the fact is, it is right and just to worship the Creator who is all and above all. And it is right and just to worship the God above us, even if he had never stretched out his hand of mercy to us. But in fact, to be Christian, to encounter Jesus Christ alive, and to have a whole new decisive direction for our lives, actually means that we not only worship the God and Creator of all, but that we worship the God who has reached out His hand of mercy to us who were dead. We were already dead. We were already slaves. We were already condemned by our sins. And the ruler of all was not a dictator who kept us alive so we could give him something. So we could do something for him. So we could rule over us. He brought us back to perfect, glorious joy and happiness so that we would be full of joy. So we would receive a gift. So we would become not slaves, but sons and daughters, our true selves. You see, when we become the praise of God's glory, we enter into the life of the Trinity, who loves and adores each other with completely self-forgetful love. The Trinity is not narcissistic. The Trinity is not so self-concerned. The Father thinks nothing of himself. His love is totally for his Son, And His Son, who is eternally begotten of Him, really thinks nothing of Himself, but is so joyful to receive the gift of the Father. And the Holy Spirit thinks nothing of Himself, but is so delighted to exist as this bond between the Father and the Son. He is just so delighted and ecstatic to be the gift that's given between them. The Trinity is so self-forgetful, so humble, so full of love. they become the praise of his glory, which is what we're made to be, gives us a joy that makes us so light and airy and self-forgetful that we aren't even worried about who is receiving who is love and who is being praised, and we aren't worried about better or worse, superior, inferior, we're just awash in adoration of the one who is pure beauty that beauty that bestows himself upon us so freely. Paul says that we were chosen for just this before the foundation of the world. Think about that. Before any single star burned with light in the universe, God looked upon you in his mind and said, I choose you for this joy. St. Paul says God wants to bless us to be holy and without blemish before Him. Have you ever wanted to be pure? Have you ever wanted to be just entirely clean, nothing weigh you down, no spot, no blemish, no sin? God chose you for that. Paul says that God destined us to be the praise of His glory out of love, not out of need, not out of command. Not out of subjugation, but out of love to become his praise. Paul says he destined us to be the praise of his glory also through adoption. It's not just something we're given to do. It's not just a a task or a job. You're adopted into the family of the Holy Trinity. You've received all the rights and privileges of God the Son as if they were your own. Even though we're just dust and ashes, we're just creatures of this earth You're now adopted. And Paul says that because God the Father wills this for us, he will accomplish it by giving us his grace. He will bring it to fulfillment by his amazing grace that does what we cannot do, that does what we're unable to do. Everything I just outlined about what St. Paul says We see in the life of the Blessed Virgin Mary. We see in her this icon of how God called her to be the praise of His glory with such love and adoption and tenderness and preparing her for who she was meant to be. Mary becomes the praise of His glory through her divine motherhood, through giving birth to God's Son and raising Him, preparing Him for His mission. Behold, I am the handmaid of the Lord. May it be done to me according to your word. It's perfect self-forgetfulness. It's perfect joy. For us, we become the praise of his glory by giving birth to Christ in a certain way through all kinds of different ways in our lives. Mary received a grace at the very beginning of her life to keep her free from all sin, all blemish, so she could give birth to the one who is the all-holy. We have not been given that same exact grace of her immaculate conception, but we've been given the same grace of salvation, the same grace of sanctifying grace in our souls. And now we can give birth to Christ and bring him into the world in our own way, through our words and our deeds, through our prayer, through simply adoring the one who is all beauty and who bestows his beauty upon us freely. when we rightly and justly give our love and praise to the all-holy and living God, we become who we were meant to be, and we are, in a sense, mothers of Christ. Friends, this is a great mystery, and if we tremble before tonight, if it seems like a lot to drink in, I'm not surprised. God wants to overwhelm us with his love and with his mystery. He wants our souls and our eyes to be too stretched above what's normal, to see ourselves and to see others differently. This is why we must have recourse to the saints. They are people just like us, but they lead us in the path of prayer. One of the saints who I want to give to you tonight to conclude is Saint Elizabeth of the Trinity. Herself was so struck by this line from the first chapter of Ephesians, she pondered it her entire life as a Carmelite nun at the turn of the 20th century. And she herself talked about what it meant to become the praise of His glory in the context of the Mass. And she wrote to a priest and asked the priest to remember her offering at the Mass, at the altar, that she would be so self forgetful. And so in love with God, she would simply become the praise of his glory for eternity. And this is what she wrote. As a child might ask her father, I ask you at Mass to consecrate me as a host of praise of the glory of God. When you consecrate the host where Jesus, who alone is holy, will be incarnate, consecrate me with him as the victim of the praise of glory until all my aspirations, all my movements, all my actions pay homage to the Holy One. Oh, consecrate me until I were no longer me, but him. Would that the Father could, in looking upon me, recognize him. Would that I be conformed to his death, that I would suffer in myself whatever is lacking in his passion for his body, which is the church. Thus bathe me in the blood of Christ until I be made strong with his strength. As these hosts of bread are consecrated on this altar tonight, so the Holy Spirit consecrates you and me, so we become conformed to the Son, so that when God the Father looks upon you or me, he sees his beloved from all eternity, that you become and have become his beloved from all eternity. To be a Christian is to exist for the praise of his glory.